Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord on this Palm Sunday in the name of the King of Kings. Greetings. Jesus is Lord today. Everybody say, He is Lord today. He is Lord today. Today we willingly bow our knees to Him and we recognize and rejoice over His Lordship, longing to see Him rule our every action. Today we, as the children did on the day Jesus made His triumphal entry into Jerusalem, we cry out to Him, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Behold, our King is here in our midst today. And if we did not cry out his praises, the very rocks would cry out. And Psalm 8, David said that this praise springs forth from the very least of these among us and establishes his strength in all the world. Psalm 8 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Amen. Amen. Let us pray as God uh, comes with us into this beautiful day of remembrance of him and uh, inviting him into our hearts and lives and into this service. Lord God, we thank you for calling us here. And Lord, in the same way that you've called us here, Lord, we willingly open our hearts and we say, Oh Lord, come into us, Lord. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Speak to us. Change us by your word. Make us different, oh Lord. Give us thankful hearts and give us hearts of joy that don't rejoice in uh, what we see before us, but we are people who walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, help us today, no matter how discouraged we are or what difficulty we face, to know that there is joy in the fact that our King comes. And as He came in Jerusalem that day, He comes here today at Foundation Church. He comes to forgive us of our sins and comes to heal us, O oh God. Heal us today by Your touch. 
In Christ's name we pray. And all of the church said... standing for a few moments um i I don't have any apologies to make for being distracted i almost could not start the doxology i couldn't remember what in the world we were doing uh because my mind is racing about what i'm going to talk to you about today um just hearing luke 19 read and zechariah 9 read and all the things that i've been studying um Folks, this is some incredible stuff. And it's all of God's Word coming together, Luke, all at one time, and everything being fulfilled that goes in every direction, forward and backward and sideways. It's amazing. And I'm one of these people that when I get into something, I like to cover it thoroughly. And what I realize is that I would like to preach a Palm Sunday sermon. Like, I could preach for like three months on Palm Sunday. Okay, and you might go, that's a little crazy. No, honestly, it's not crazy at all. Uh, There is so much in this story and so much that went on that honestly, I'm going to try my very best to do my very best to be very quick about going through this. Uh, But but it's amazing and incredible. And and I really haven't seen how the fulcrum of the word of God has turned on this. Of course, and it should, right? Shouldn't everything turn on the crucifixion and the coming of Christ? Shouldn't everything rotate around that? Shouldn't it be at the center of everything? Uh, And it is. Uh, The only problem with that mentally is that it connects to everything. And you can't preach about everything in the entire Bible uh, in a 45 to 3 hour sermon, right? 45 minutes to 3 hour sermon. It's impossible. Now I know why Paul preached and people fell out of the window asleep after he was preaching for 3 or 4 hours, okay? So, all right, I'm going to read to you my text. I'm going to do my very best, and I'm just thankful that there aren't visitors here today uh, who I'm worried are never going to come back um, like I was last week, because uh, I know you guys, even if I preach for three hours, you'll probably somehow survive it and, and, and make it through it. So don't worry, I won't do it. But all right, Matthew chapter 21 is our text. In fact, I switched my text several times because I wanted to preach from Luke 19. I wanted to preach... From Matthew, I wanted to preach from Mark, I wanted to preach from John, because it's they all tell it different. And everything they say all comes back. It's just, it's incredible. I'm sorry to get too excited about it. Uh, but Matthew 21, I'll read this. Matthew 21, 1. And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem, and they were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold... Thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and put put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees, and they strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before, and they that followed, cried, Hosanna! to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna 
in the highest. Let us pray. Lord, this is such an incredible and awesome and just critical passage. I pray today, Lord, that we would see it for what it was and we would not miss it as so many did that day, that we would not miss it today. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now what happened on that day was not something that everybody recognized. In fact, one of the writers says that the disciples themselves, Steve, they did not even recognize the significance of the event until much later when they were looking back. They were living their lives. They were walking with Jesus. And things happened all the time. And this really didn't seem like much different than normal. Here we are. We're riding into town. Maybe Jesus is tired and he's going to ride on a horse. And uh, he rides into town. They, they didn't really see it for the significance that it was. But there were people who did. And I'll tell you, one of those people was Jesus himself. He knew exactly what was going on. He tried to tell them. And it's like so many of us. Sometimes we try to tell people things, but they just don't want to hear them. We keep telling them. And we tell them. And they, they don't hear what you're saying. But, but Jesus was telling them and telling them, this day's coming. It's coming soon. Things are going to happen. Difficulty. You're, you're going to be perplexed by about what you're about to see. And you're not going to understand it. And they did not understand this at all when it happened to him. During the last two weeks of Jesus' life, uh, before his crucifixion, he made a journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. This was a symbol of how God had given the nation of Israel the land of Canaan. After wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they crossed the Jordan River and they marched around Jericho's walls until God had made them fall flat. This was the beginning of many years of conquering. So Jesus goes to Jericho, Steve, and he begins walking to Jerusalem. He's, he's symbolizing in his body what God did with the Israelites. He brought them in across the Jordan. They conquered Jericho, and they went to Jerusalem to the holy city. Can you see the picture? He's doing this. They don't know it. He had made this journey before many times. He had come to the house of his friends in Bethany on the way, just like he had many times. And so this, it wasn't as though he had heralded this, but in his heart and his mind, Jesus was taking this journey as a picture for you and for me. And so let's not miss what he was doing, okay? After wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they crossed the Jordan. Jericho's walls fell flat, okay? So now on his way from Jericho, Jesus passed through Bethany at the house of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, as Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. The fame of this miracle and the miracle worker had spread from Bethany to Jerusalem. And many saw this as the sign of the long-awaited Messiah that had come. There were people seeing it. Even the disciples weren't seeing it. People were seeing it. And they were like, hey, he's coming. He's coming. He's on his way. He's, way, he's over there on the Mount of Olives and he's been over to his house of his friends where he raised Lazarus from the dead. And he's coming to Jerusalem and he's coming to Jerusalem and he's riding on this colt. And people were hearing about it and they were in, the, in, in Jerusalem and around. They were running and they were telling about this. Jesus stops and we know we heard read in Matthew or in uh, the book of Luke where Jesus encounters right before this he encounters Zacchaeus. 
Now don't miss the fact that Zacchaeus is a sinner. And he is someone Jesus shouldn't be going. But what does he do? The sinner does what? He gladly receives Jesus as Messiah. There is a, a, an antithesis that's being shown here. Because Zacchaeus is receiving Jesus the way all of Israel should receive Jesus. And they're not. And they're wondering, why is he over there? And why is this man receiving? Because he's showing a picture. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. I'm going to go to sinners. And they're going to receive me joyfully like Zacchaeus. And so he's picturing this in so many ways as this story is unfolding. The news that Jesus was on his way from Jerusalem spread like light from the morning sun. Literally, he was coming from the east, just like the sun as it was rising. And he was coming over the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. And folks, this is so, this is so incredible in Scripture. The Bible talks about Jesus coming from the east. And he's coming from the Mount of Olives. And he's coming to the city of Jerusalem. This is what has been pictured in the Old Testament. And they've read about it. And they've heard about it their whole lives. And it's happening, but they're not even seeing it happen. This is what it means that people were blind. They weren't literally blind. That Their eyes weren't there. And we can be like this too. Things can be happening in our own eyes and we're watching them happen. But while we watch them happen, we're not seeing them happen at all. Right? You've heard me talk about this. You've heard me, and I hate to even mention the man's name in a sermon again. Donald Trump. God's using him in some incredible way. You may not be watching it. You may not be seeing it. But it is happening. It's amazing. It's just, it's just as contradictory as anything you can think of how God would take a vile, ungodly, heathen man and use him maybe to bring about the end of abortion in our country or maybe, to, I don't know what God is doing, but we may miss it. It may happen right in front of us and we'll say, how'd this even happen? Because we weren't watching, we weren't looking, we couldn't see it. What would happen next was recorded by all four Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record most of the same basic facts. But as you can already see from Luke, there are things in Luke that aren't in Matthew, things in Mark that aren't in either one. They all saw this as a cataclysmic event and they viewed it in a different way. Matthew contains more messianic Old Testament references and detail. And John, written much later looking back, leaves out many of the details uh, but he adds what others and he himself had come to understand about these critical events much later. I picked Matthew's narrative to walk through these events because it seems to me the most thorough handling of the story from a messianic, prophetic uh, perspective. And as you might remember, Matthew's gospel was more to a Jewish audience. Mark to the Romans, Luke, uh, a story most agree, spoke to the Greeks. John's Gospel was more universal when it was written, uh, and it, it was from an older, wiser man. Now, as we walk through Matthew's narrative, remember that the Jews were soaked in the knowledge of the Scriptures. They were drenched into the tradition of biblical history. Matthew ties these events that we now call Palm Sunday in with several Old Testament quotes and prophecies that foretold of the coming of Messiah. And as we walk through this narrative, I'll put out extra information from Mark uh, 11. So if you're, if you're a note taker, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12 all cover this information. And it's a ton. You, you know, you, you might have to like go to Bible school just, just to study this one event. It's just, it's so much. Okay? But we'll get started in Matthew 21 and we will, I'll try to keep moving. But I don't, I don't want to keep moving so fast that you can't see the grandiose nature of this biblical story. Matthew 21 says, when they drew nigh to Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. They were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives. Everybody say the Mount of Olives. 
They sent two disciples. Okay, Jerusalem was the city of David. It was also called Zion because of the mountain that the holy city was built on. You'll hear these references in Scripture. You'll even hear them in today's uh, society. They'll call so-and-so a Zionist. Why are they calling them a Zionist? Because they're Jewish. They're wanting the, the Zionist nation or they're wanting the Jewish nation. So when you hear Zion, it's the big mountain Jerusalem is built on. It's right next to another big mountain called the Mount of Olives. It was the center of all of Judaism. If there, in uh, Jerusalem, there was the temple where Israel worshipped. It was to Jerusalem that all the children of Israel made three pilgrimages. Could you imagine this, Lou? Imagine everyone in the country would take a journey to Israel three times a year. They would walk miles and miles and miles three times a year and it was to this city and it was to this temple that they would come over and over and over again it was to jerusalem that they went for the passover for the feast of weeks and the feast of booze if all the nation were called by the name of one city what would the name of that city be it would be wow if all the nation of israel were called by the name of a city what would be the name of that city jerusalem Jerusalem, Jerusalem, it was the heart of everything. That's why someone in a foreign country can go in, in Washington. Why do they say that Washington? It's like saying the whole nation, right? That's what they do in, in, you know, over there in Washington. Or they might even say, you know, in our country, they might say New York or something. Providence brought Jesus from Jericho to Jerusalem, coming down from the Mount of Olives to the east, just outside Jerusalem. He passed by the grave of the prophet Zechariah, whose prophecies he would be fulfilling in the coming days. I'm telling you, he knew, he knew the book of Zechariah. He knew God's word, and he knew what exactly what he was doing. He knew that his time had come, and what he was about to do, and what would befall the people whom he loved, filled his heart with emotion and purpose. Saying, here's what he says in verse 2, saying unto them, go to the village over against you and straightway you shall find a donkey. Everybody say a donkey. Now King James uses a different word. We're not going to use it today. The word donkey. But now this donkey is not just any donkey. It is a female donkey. Everybody say a female donkey. And you might go, isn't this funny that God's word right in the middle of the great cataclysmic event in scripture, it includes not only that there's a donkey involved, but that it's a female donkey. I mean, isn't that funny to you? It's funny to me. Absolutely funny to me. And you're going to find this female donkey uh, tied up and a colt with her, loose them and bring them to me. So in the middle of this cataclysmic event, uh, Tim, Jesus says there's a female donkey and she's got a, a young boy colt with her go get it very specific if any man says unto you tell them the lord has need of them and straightway they will give them to you some people you know who are very well uh, very uninformed i should say about scripture who like to they're like jesus stole the people's you know that's so ridiculous he had prepared ahead jesus knew what was going on and he prepared ahead for this so if they're untying it, this is something Jesus had made preparations before. Preaching on this for many years, I often wondered at this. I, I'm like, what is this about? What is this, what does this female donkey and this colt have to do with anything? I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Because when you read in, in uh, Luke and you read in Mark, it doesn't talk about both of these things. It only talks about one. 
And I read it, and you know, and then John, it doesn't talk about it at all. And and then there's the prophecy, and it seemed, and, and, and it always bothered me. And I've preached about this a lot, but I've never figured this out until until now. You know, every time I go to do a sermon now, the, the sermon turns to me into an entire book. Like every time I, I go to look at a passage, it's like an entire book before me. And I think, how can I even preach? It's like impossible. There's too much stuff. So anyway, this point of the story has caused a great deal of controversy among theologians. Some say, oh, well, uh, Matthew made up this part of the story because he wanted it to apply to an Old Testament passage in Zechariah. Now, how many, how many know that's nonsense? Of course that's nonsense. Some say, well, he didn't know, you know, and he was wrong. Well, how many know that's nonsense? It's nonsense. Whenever you get to the Word of God and you hear a story told one way and then you hear another, you hear the same story told somewhere, do they ever contradict that is one make the other one wrong? Everybody say, never! Okay, we believe in God's Word, so we don't have to get into all this, but Matthew is the only one among the four to give us this extra detail about this part of the story. And for me, I wanted to understand it. Matthew tells us about this female donkey and her foal. Mark and Luke only mentioned the cult. We don't have time, I said, to go into all of it, but suffice it to say there's no errors in God's word. Amen? Amen. So he asked his disciples to get these animals. Now, if we go to Genesis, I, I was searching the scriptures. I was trying to understand it. I went back to Zechariah with the prophecies, which we'll go there. But I thought, look, I should look again. I, should, I can find something. There's got to be something, some imagery, some connection, something that, that the Jews would see that I would never see. And guess what, Luke? I found it. You ready, Derek? You ready with me? All right. So it brought me all the way back to the book of Genesis. And tell me if this sounds like it might connect to you. Okay. Genesis 49, Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Jacob. What's Jacob's name? Israel, all right. And he's blessing one of his sons named Judah. Now, do you think that might be significant? All right, so Israel is blessing Judah. Who's Judah? Tribe of Judah, where who comes from? Where kings come from, where King David came from, where Jesus was a part of, right? So he's blessing Judah. He's about to die. Genesis 49, starting in verse 8. Judah, you're the brethren. All the brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah, you're a lion's whelp. Judah, from prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion, as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? So Judah's a lion. All right? So he's a lion. He's a lion of the, you know, from the tribe of Judah. Who's a lion from the tribe of Judah? Jesus is a lion from the tribe of Judah, right? Thy scepter shall not depart from Judah. This prophecy is about who? kingship is not going to leave Judah. It's going to go from Judah. It's going to go from David. And whose scepter? That's never going to end. It's going to be whose scepter? Christ's scepter, right? A lawgiver from between his feet unto Shiloh come and him to the gathering of his people. Verse 11. And this is just, listen to this verse 11. Tell me if this rings any bells. Binding his foal unto a vine and his ass's colt unto a choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Now, you don't have to be a theologian to see we have a donkey. We have a donkey's uh, child here, you know, the, the, the foal, the colt, right? And we have garments, all right? What, what do we see in the story that we're reading? We're reading about they, they got the foal, and they got, uh, they got the, the donkey, and they put their garments, right? And who is Jesus, right? But who is he? He's divine. He's even the vine. You see this? Okay. And okay. 
Now, I could pre we could preach all day just on this one passage because it's so filled with imagery and beauty. This is, this is a blessing from Jacob to Judah, but it's a prophecy about Jesus all in the same time. Okay? So, just look at this. You'll see Genesis 49, 11. Judah, the tribe of kings, the tribe Jesus came from, the promised tribe of Messiah, from the house of King David. Judah would bring imaginable wealth and blessing to Israel insomuch that men would take their donkeys and, and the colts that were with their donkeys and tie them to their choice vine. Jesus said what in John 15, 1? I am the true vine, right? The blessing that Judah... Uh, what was fulfilled in the prophecy of that day was that the vine himself this was, was tied to Christ. That there would be so much uh, there would be so many grapes and so much blessing in the land that they would be able to use the grapes, Luke, like water to wash their garments. Is that a lot of grape juice? Is that a lot of wine? That's a lot. And so he's like, like you know how we might say the land of milk and honey? It's the land of wine and blessing, okay? And he's saying that the blessing is going to come to Israel. And he mentions all of these things together. So this imagery in the blessing of Jacob, Israel, to his son Judah, and this future prophecy of Jesus. Can you see where the image of the foal and the donkey and the garments and the wine and all of it is tied into one? And that makes a lot sense to me when you come to Zechariah. Okay? And we could try to dig it all out and we could get into the imagery about there's a, there's a lot in it, but we're not, we're not going to do that, okay? But Matthew mentions the female donkey, the colt, the garments. They seem so deeply connected to the passage uh, here in Matthew, but they also are connected to this prophecy Matthew's getting ready to tell us about. Matthew 21.4 says this, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, verse 5, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And there are, uh, you know, you, every foal is the, the child of another animal, right? So it, it could be redundant, but is scripture redundant? Or is it trying to say something very specific? And what we have very specific is that God shows these animals. So this picture that goes back to Genesis and the picture that's in uh, the book of Zechariah in this prophecy is also tied to this event. And so probably what happened, and we don't know exactly for sure, is that a, this colt, as Luke tells us, though, had never been ridden on. Okay? It, Jesus is put on the back of this animal and it's being led by its mother and garments are spread out on its mother and on the colt, okay? And they're leading this. And this was an image that Israel would have said, oh, this is what the prophets said was going to happen. And they were seeing it and it was making them excited. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and they, had, they thought he might be the Messiah. He had risen Lazarus from the dead and they were gathering around. And now they see him on this animal and they're like, wow, here he is. He's on this colt that had never been written and he's with her mother and the garments are there. And so they just get be, they're beside themselves. They don't know what to do. And they begin to cut branches and they begin to say, oh my goodness, he's come. The king has come. And they get excited and, and this is what began to happen. I'll read Zechariah 9 for you. And I will remove the blood from their mouth, the detestable things from between their teeth, and they shall be a remnant for our God. I was always told about the remnant, Steve, the remnant, the remnant. The remnant are the people that are seeing this. And they shall be uh, a, like a clan in Judah of Ekron, the Jebusite. I will camp around my house because of my army. Him that passes 
by returns the oppressor pass over anymore. He, go, he goes on. Verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation. Humble, mounted on a donkey. Even the colt and the foal of a donkey. See all these connections here? So the, children, the people of God are, who know the word of God, who have been drenched in the word of God, who know, they're seeing this and they're like, here it is. It's happening right in front of our eyes. Now, even though Mark and Luke only mention the colt and not its mother as Matthew does, Zechariah's prophecy says that he will be writing both of these. The, the, they're both mentioned in that prophecy. Let's just put it that way. Now, one more picture that might be here is that Israel was an old beast. A beast of burden, but this new colt had never been ridden. So here we have Israel who had received the word of God. Israel who had, uh, was an old hat at this. Israel is here. But Israel is not the one who the Messiah is riding on anymore. She's riding on the new one that had never been written. Can you see this imagery of old and new? So the old and the new are coming together, but Jesus is riding the new. He's writing the new covenant into town. Isn't that kind of cool? Isn't that imagery beautiful? For further study, you may just want to read the entire uh, last five chapters of the Old Testament. You see, Zechariah was like the revelation of the Old Testament. You see, at this time when Jesus lived, there was no New Testament. So when they thought of the prophecy of end times and of last times and of coming the Messiah, they would say, oh, like it says in the book of Zechariah, where people today say it's like the book of what? Like the book, book of, of Revelation. And so Zechariah was the prophetic uh, words here that, that it, it was the end of the Old Testament for Jews. It was the very last book of the Bible, the way that it had been organized. And as you read these last chapters here, there is a picture. And as you begin reading this, you're like, wow, this sounds just exactly like what happened in the days of Christ and at the days of the coming of the Lord. Okay. And I even wrote down, I, I, I grabbed a few of these just for you, okay? Uh, Messiah was going to reign. He's uh, a, a king over the earth. The coming of the Lord at, that they had dreamed and waited and hoped for all of their days. Zechariah 9, verse 10. It says that these two verses were fulfilled, right? He shall speak peace unto them. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the river even to the ends of the earth. And we heard it read earlier. He's coming to set prisoners free. He's coming to bring hope. He's coming to save them that are in the pit where there is no water. What would that might be? He's saving people from hell, right? And so he, he says in Zechariah 12, I'll pour out upon the house of David. This is in verse 10. The grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Who's that going to be, guys? It's Christ. Look on me who they have pierced, and they shall mourn as one that mourneth for his only son. And there shall be bitterness for him as for the thirst, as for bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be great mourning in where? In Jerusalem. So all this Jerusalem, 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 and judgment that is coming and coming to Jerusalem, this imagery is in their minds. And they're watching this king. They're watching Jesus come. And he's riding on the colt. And he's coming into Jerusalem. And they're beside themselves. Verse uh, 6 of Zechariah 13 says this. It says, In one they shall say, they will say to him, What are these wounds in your hands, and he shall say, these are the ones that I received in the house of my friends. I mean, can we get any more plain that we're talking about Jesus here in Zechariah? He was wounded in the house of his friends, and he has wounds in his hands. They will look on me whom they have pierced, 
And then there will be mourning in Jerusalem. Can you see this? He talks about the sun being turned to darkness and the moon into blood. We hear about that in, in, in Acts. We hear about it in, we know what happened in the time of Christ and his crucifixion. We get to Zechariah 14, which starts out with these words, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. The spoil shall be divided in the midst. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem in a battle. They shall, the city shall be taken. The houses will be rifled. The women shall be ravished. Half the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Zechariah 14.8 In that day, uh, the living water shall go out of Jerusalem. Half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder. What living waters are going to leave from Jerusalem? It's going to be the church, the people of God. They're going to leave Jerusalem and these living waters are going to go out into the world. These, are, these rivers of life are going to go out. Okay? And the Lord shall be king. I love this. It's one I memorized when I was 14 years old. I remember it. Zechariah 14.9 And the Lord shall be king over all the earth and in that day shall there be one Lord and His name one. You see where we get these post-millennial ideas from? They're right from the Bible. These and so many more. They were witnessing the coming of the Lord this day in Jerusalem and most of them missed it but those standing by that day did not. They witnessed what the Jews had dreamed of for hundreds of years. And I can't wait one day to hear them tell their story in heaven. And they'll say, yeah, everybody missed it, but I didn't. Everybody didn't see it, but I did. I stood by, and I cut branches, and I took my coat, and I threw it off. And his donkey walked over top of it. Oh, yeah, over my coat, over my branches. You see, there was a king in the book of 2 Kings who rode into Jerusalem and he utterly wasted it. King Jehu. And you know what they did? It's the only place in the Bible you'll find it. They laid down their garments, Luke, and, and he could walk over it. It's where the idea comes from even in chivalry today. What do you do when a woman goes in this mud and she's going to walk in it? What do you do? What does a gentleman do? He takes off his jacket, his, his nice clothes, and he lays it in the mud and she can walk over it. What is this from? It's from this picture here of saying, you're better than me. I love you. I don't want even dirt to touch your feet. You're so precious to me. Isn't that awesome? And that's what they're doing here. They're seeing it happen while everyone is missing it. While the disciples are missing it, they're seeing it. They're filled with excitement, the hope of the ages. God has blessed our eyes to see what others were blind to. He came that day and we saw him. I can't wait to hear their story one day. It's going to be exciting. Just like Anna, the prophetess, and good old Simeon, whose eyes were blessed to behold the babe given to Mary, these little ones, these unimportant, these unnamed multitude beheld the Lord coming to Jerusalem as king. Oh, what a day. What a day. And what a day we live in right now. You know, Christ is riding for Steve. He's conquering. He's crushing down governments. He's oppressing. He's crushing down oppressors. There will be a day when justice rules the world. When we don't have to wonder what will happen in the court. When we don't have to wonder, will men obey the law? Jesus Christ will rule and reign on this earth. And he will beat down and crush down. And all things will be under his feet. And it will be done according to scripture through the church, through you, and through me. Will we miss it? Will we not see it? Will we look and we will go, oh Lord, you know, what's going on? We're, we don't even know. What, no, no, oh, we should see it. Our eyes should be open. We shouldn't be blind to it. We should look in the news. We should look around us in our communities and we should, oh Lord, where is your foot? 
crushing down your enemies, O God. I know my King is coming. Amen? As we get to verse 6 in Matthew 21, the disciples went and they did what He said. They didn't even know what they were doing. They didn't even understand it, but they did what they were told to do. They brought the donkey, the colt, they, and they took their coats and they put them on there. They didn't want to have to ride bareback. They were wanting to show Him respect. The great multitude began to spread their garments in the way, cut down branches from the trees, verse 8, and they strawed them in the way. Now, most call this day Palm Sunday, even though palms are only mentioned in John. It's not mentioned in Matthew. It's not mentioned in Mark. It's not mentioned in Luke. Verse 9, the multitudes that went before, they began to say, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I didn't really realize that when I was younger, that Hosanna is a Jewish word. You know, I mean, who uses Hosanna in, in conversation today? I don't. You know, it's always, oh, this only happens. at a, Hosanna just means it's Hebrew. Save us. Save us. Save us. Save us. Who can save us, Tim? But our Savior and Lord. Save us. Hosanna. Hosanna. Save us. And, you, and I wonder, why would they say this? Why would they say, and what would be so significant about the fact that they would say this? Why would they say, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the, he that comes in the name of the Lord. Well, there's a reason why. When they saw Jesus coming, they saw what, what they were seeing and they knew what to do. They were ready for this day. They had been preparing for this day their whole lives. Year in and year out, they would come to Jerusalem and they would celebrate the day that Messiah was to come. And that's what they were ready for. They were coming every year going, oh, when Messiah comes, you know what we're going to do? We're going to party in the streets. We're going to get excited. And they had this feast and they would come and they would remember it. And it was called the Feast of Booths. And they would come and they would be doing things uh, where they would look back and remember. And then they would look forward and remember okay and they would look back and they would remember god took us out of egypt and when we were out of egypt we lived in the wilderness and we didn't have homes to live in and they would take in the feast of booths and they would build these little shelters and for a week they would live in the booths and they would say because there used to be a day that we lived in the wilderness but god brought us into the promised land and so they would be celebrating and during that festival luke you know what they would do during that festival, not only would they look back to what God had done for Israel, they would say one day God is going to come and he's going to rule the whole world. And when that day comes, Messiah is going to come and he's going to crush all of our enemies. And their way of remembering forward, Christina, was they would take branches of three different kinds and they would wrap them up together and they would wave them with their right hand and they would walk around the streets of Jerusalem going, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And they were quoting Tim from Psalm 118. Psalm 118 was the songbook for the, for the Feast of Booths. And they were waving it. And they were like, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that waving would say, oh, the king's coming. The king's coming. Oh, he's coming. He's going to save us. Blessed be the name of the Lord from Psalm 118. That's what they did. And so when Jesus came, what did they do, guys? They're like, you know what? It's not even the time of year for these things to even be growing. It's not even that time. We're just going to start cutting things down. We're going to grab whatever we can grab. And they begin to grab things. And they begin to wave them at him. And they begin to lay them down at his feet. Come on, Steve. Smile with me. Isn't it exciting? That's what they were doing. I could just find out where I said all this in my notes. We'll be good. Oh, my goodness. The thing they raved around was called the lulab. 
the loot lab. I don't never I don't even know what that is, but that's the little thing of branches, the loot lab. And they would quote Psalm 118. I'll read it for you. That work for you? Psalm 118, verse 20. The gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. Can you see him? He's coming in the gate. Here comes the king. He's coming in. He's coming in. Verse 21. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and thou art become my salvation. Oh, we've been praying for a savior. Oh, we've been, pr- we've been hoping that he's going to come and now he's coming. Verse 22. The stone which the builders refused is become the head of the corner and we'll see. We, we don't even have time to get into it but down in verse 42 of this chapter which we're only in verse 8 so we're not going to get there, okay? But he quotes to him and he says, this is me. I'm that stone that the builders rejected. He tells the Pharisees, this is me. He's quoting from the same psalm he's bringing them back to the psalm he says that verse 23 this is the lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes this is the day which the lord hath made we will rejoice and be glad in it verse 25 save us save us now hosanna hosanna O lord O lord i beseech thee send thy prosperity it says verse 26 blessed is he that comes in the name of the lord we have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Can you see this, guys? This is what they did. They were ready. And when they saw Jesus, they're like, he's here. He's here. I'm grabbing what I can. Palm branches, whatever. Whatever they are. And I'm going to throw them. And I can't find them. I'm going to throw my jackets down and he can walk on it. I don't even want his feet having to touch the dirt. I don't even want the feet of his donkey to touch the earth. He's my king. He's my king. Now, see, we're not looking for this day because it came already amen but we're looking forward to another day john's the only one who mentioned that they were palm branches in revelation 7 9 through 10 he says after this i look and beheld a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and you know what they have guys they got palm branches in their hands And they're crying with a loud voice, save us. Salvation belongs to our God, to him that sits upon the throne and to the lamb. Don't you just love it? You see, just as they look back and they look forward, we can look back to this day and we can look forward to the day in heaven where we'll be holding our own palm branches and we'll know just what to do, Jason. When we see him, we'll go... Let me grab something. Let me wave it in my hand. Let me, let me wave it and throw it down. And we will be the people in this prophecy in Revelation. We'll be waving our own palm branches that day. John portrays the triumphal entry in Jerusalem as a picture of what happens in the heavenly Jerusalem with the multitudes. Palm Sunday can be our practice, our preparation for the day in the future. Let us try together. Can we do it right now? Can we say, Hosanna. This is a word you better learn. Hosanna! Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord! Hosanna! Blessed be the name of the Lord! You see, we're going to be saying that too. We better be ready for it. You better be ready to grab some palm branches and wave them in your hands. And You better be ready to say it, folks, because one day we're going to see it with our own eyes. We're going to behold what people have all longed to see. May it be our cry, our prayer, our joy. Jesus has come. The Savior has come. He alone can save us. These words of praise should always be on our lips as His people. Behold, our King comes. According to Luke 19, though, when the Pharisees heard this, they didn't like it. Isn't that, isn't that just them? 
Rebuke your disciples, Jesus, the Pharisees tell him. And he said unto them, I'll tell you what, if these people held their peace, the stones would cry out. Verse 41, when he came near to Jerusalem, see how this all ties into what we've been talking about the last few weeks? He beheld the city and he wept. So here we have all of this exuberance and excitement, Jeff, going on. And they're seeing their king and he's lay, they're laying the branches. And he knows that when he goes there that they are going to want to kill him. And so he weeps because he loves them. He said, if you had known even now at this day the things which belong unto peace, for now they are hid from your eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thy enemies will cast a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee in on every side. What have we been talking about the last few weeks? What is the coming of the Lord for them? It's not a good thing. You see, the coming of the Lord is good for God's people, but it's very bad for those who reject Him and don't love Him. It's very terrible and terrifying, and it should be. Verse 44, they shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. They shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knew not the time of thy visitation. And he went into the temple and he began to cast them out that sold therein. And do you remember what he said? He said, my house should be a house of prayer. And yet you've made it a den of thieves. You see, there was a bitterness and a sweetness at the same time. It's just like, it's like when we take communion, right guys? I mean, we're breaking bread, but what are we remembering when we break that bread? We're remembering something very horrible and bitter. We remember the lashes he took. We remember the mocking crown they jammed on his head. We remember the, the, the stripes on his back. We remember the spit in his face. And we're breaking bread up here. That's what we're remembering. It's bitter, right? But what's sweet about it? Because it's brought salvation to us. It's how our king came to us, for us. Jesus quotes from Isaiah 56. Thus saith the Lord to the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and, and, and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them I will give my house within the walls and a place a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the strangers shall join themselves to the Lord and serve them and love the name of the Lord to bring His servants Everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taking hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God which gathered the outcasts of Israel saith, if, Yet I will gather others to him beside those that are gathered in. Immediately after Jesus cast them out, it says the blind and the lame came in the temple. This was not, this was not normal. This was not something that was commonplace. 
And Jesus healed them, it says in verse 14. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were displeased. And he said unto them, Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings? Hast thou perfected praise? And he showed us, as he showed us when he rode into Jerusalem, that it is through humility, it is through weakness, that God will conquer the world. It is through us little ones, us unimportant, us unnamed people whose names will never be remembered. May God's house always be for us a house of prayer. Can we say amen? May it be a place of prayer and praise. May we see Him as our King, Lord, over every sphere of our lives. May we live to see Him, Lord, over all the earth as His kingdom comes and His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. May we not be like those who could not see their King coming that day. May we be those whose eyes are open to see His coming and conquering. May we see all things put under His feet. And may we and our descendants be those who cry, Save us. Save us. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. May every Palm Sunday be a rehearsal for the day in heaven when we stand waving branches of praise. This is our feast of booths, looking back and looking forward. And as I said before, as we come to the table today, may we look back when we break bread, but that's not all we do. Amen? We also look forward to the day of the consummation of all things. The day when we'll wave our palm branches. The day that we will praise Him. And the day that we will drink the wine. And we will eat the bread with Him in the kingdom at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will look back at His broken body broken for us on the cross. We will look back on His blood as we pour the wine. And then we will look forward to the marriage supper when we will eat bread and drink wine in heaven together. Amen. Amen. And amen. Can we say Hosanna? Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna! Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh dear God, save us. Oh Lord, we need your salvation every day. Lord, we live in these sinful, weak bodies. We sin against our children and our wives and, and our neighbors, oh God. And, and we, we look at ourselves and it's so easy to want to be depressed to want to feel like a failure, to want to say that it's not coming, but today we know it is coming, oh Lord. And it's coming in spite of the fact that I'm weak and I'm frail and I'm sinful, but it's coming because you are not. It's coming because we are weak, but you are strong. Come and save us, oh God, because we need saving today. In your name we all pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Yeah.